Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and the Roots. Two minutes past three. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Kimbo and the Roots with you for the next two hours. Live from Studio Lumo SA, right here at number one King William Street in the city. We are live and interactive. If you'd like to have your say on all matters sport, you can send us a cheeky text on 0427 154 166. Or if you want a chinwag, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Let's welcome someone that enjoys bumping the old gums, the Roach. Party people, Roach, here he is. Roach, here he is. Hey, hey, he bumps them a little slower than most, but he gets there in the end. Hello, Roach. Hello, Kim. It's four thirty a.m. in London. Be a bit rude to send text messages to your English friends, wouldn't it? Right. Having a bit of a giggle about a test match in New Zealand, would it be rude to do so? It's a big result. We're going to talk Huge. about that uh, very shortly. That doesn't come along very often, aside to win after being sent in the bat again. Only the fourth time. Fourth time. We'll go through those stats very shortly, Roots. Looking forward to today's show. At mm. 3.30, we'll be joined by... West Adelaide Football Club Santful W coach Bruce Dawes. Now, ah, where do we know that name from? Well, he was at Sturt. Correct. I know. Why wasn't he at Sturt afterwards? Well, it could have something to do with the spicy cough. We'll get ah. it from the man himself. Oh, okay. Because he was very successful at Sturt. Yes. Uh, coaching West Adelaide now. They're undefeated mm. after two rounds. He took Sturt from second bottom into the finals in their second year. But so it's, took, a, it's a good story. Yep. But he took a stand on vaccination. Apparently. Okay. We'll get that Apparently. From him. Don't believe everything you read. Really? Sorry, no, no, not being disrespectful <laughs> really? to you. Okay. Everything you wrote was gold. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, they're talking of gold. The voice of soccer, Simon Hill, will join us. Uh, Football Australia's made a reasonable announcement today. We are going to, well, we shouldn't say we. Richie Benno said there's no we's in sport commentary. He said Australia will host France, the Matildas, our women's team. Well, respectfully stuff, Richie, I think, when we're no, talking you about can't our do that. country. You can't do that. Great man, Richie Benno. Well, taxidermists do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Could we imagine? No, we won't go there. Yes, yeah, so that will be the Richie's final game the Matildas play before the Women's World Cup. They'll play France at the Docklands in Melbourne. Mm. They're going to be the biggest sporting event in Australia this year. I don't care what anyone says about our domestic sports, you know, the AFL Grand Final and the NRL Grand Final. This is the Women's World Cup. The world will be watching Australia. And we need to put on a very good show because I still live with the hope, Kim, that one day we'll have the Men's World Cup here. If Qatar can have it, why can't Australia? Oh, well, I can probably give you a simple answer. Yeah, well, don't... Don't... Don't don't kill Santa Claus every day for me, will you? We know why they uh, were awarded. Still, though, they did a pretty good job of it, didn't they? It's It's going to be huge, and uh, the Matildas are in good form. They are. Which uh, heightens heightens our expectations. At four o'clock, we'll be joined by Twig. Who? Mr Rawlings at Norwood. Did you forget his first name, did you? Because I always get... 
caught up with brothers, <laughs> don't I? I can read it's you. It's Jade, like a book. not Brady. Yeah. Yes, but it does all the time. He'll be gutted over that. But I never get Kane and Chad wrong. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> Dad's probably happy about that. Uh, we'll be joined by Norwood Premiership coach Jade Rawlings. Yes. It's always a good chat. We'll see how they're shaping up for their cup defence. And at 4.30, uh, someone that's been a regular on our show, and we really appreciate it, Brisbane strategy coach and uh, Glenelg Premiership coach Mark Stone. Their list is looking very good, Roach. I'm not losing faith. Sticking with them. I think we, a lot of people forget over the summer, Josh Dunkley. Jack Gunston. No, no, some of us will never forget Josh Dunkley going oh. to Brisbane. Still, though, that opened the door for Jason Horn Francis. Well, it did. So there you are. And it probably what, wouldn't have happened. Yeah. All right, we're yeah, up, we're uh, up and away. probably right there, true. Yeah, yeah well, wouldn't, wouldn't have, have happened. Wouldn't have the assets to make the deal happen. Uh, send us a text if you've got a view on anything or if you have a question for any of our guests coming up. 0427 54166. If you made any sense of that, good luck. All right, let's go around the grounds, Roach. Uh, you are chomping at the bit to talk about this New Zealand and England test match. It was one for the ages. Yeah, so England had enforced the follow-on. And the Kiwis put up 483 in their second mm -hmm. dig. England, all out for 256 in the most dramatic way, missing by one run. Only the second wow. time... A test match has been decided by one run. Only the fourth time the team following on has held on for victory. Do you remember the last time it happened, Kim? Um, Each of the previous three were against Australia. Really? Absolutely. All the previous three. The first two, England overcame the follow-on against Australia in way, way back. Yep. One in the 1890s, one in 1981. Something the third time involves Australia as well. Something tells me it was around the turn of the century. Well, it sounds weird, but... Uh... Yeah, 2001, first, right. first year of this century. Who India was, it? was forced to enforce, forced to follow on. Still won by 171 runs against oh. Australia. Not as dramatic as this finish at the Basin Reserve in Wellington today. Two needed here for England. Amazing. So England had made 435, eight declared in the first dig. New Zealand responded with 209. England said, well, you can bat again. We'll see how you go a second time round. They put up 483. England all out for 256. Fourth time, a team with the follow-on has held on for victory, but this one by only one run. So it's an interesting series. They're at one test apiece. That's the end there. of the series. One All run. right. I'm not happy with Juliet Haslam and Rachel Spawn and anyone involved with the Port Adelaide Football Club's AFLW program. You're about to poach another Crow star. What's wrong with that? Ash Woodland is available, so to speak. They need to... Well, everyone's available because well, of Port the Adelaide, rules. Port Adelaide clearly need to add something to that attack after what we saw last... No, this season, past season. The uh, let's call it like a free agency sort of thing opens up tomorrow, and the expectation is that money will talk and they will score after getting a fair few last time. And I've wondered Phillips if and Adelaide has enough to keep her. Where's uh, Phil Harper? He's I saw a photo of him in Bali. Yeah, he's overseas. Well, he better be on the job, not sunny. There's is a few other people there can handle that? You reckon? All right, uh, Kim, if it, it might be the point whereby they can't. It might mm. be just too good a money deal not to. 
not to be able to block it. Very marketable young lady, uh, apart from the fact that she can play. Yeah. Uh, she's 24 years of age. She was the AFLW's leading goal kicker in season six, which was 2022 anyway. So there was two this, seasons. I mean, we, we never like what free agency does. And, and this is a, a twisted form of free agency where you get these special permit you know, conditions. But in the end, the AFLW actually needs a bit of a shake-up, doesn't it? Because we're getting the same six all the time at well, the top of the Well, we did. There's only been one year when those four, since yeah, but we know, the additional we know four a, sides came in. We know there's a, they can suffer for another year or two, can't they? Well, the competition, the competition needs some adjustment. It wasn't great last year. Season. No, definitely not. Mm. Uh, but that's not the first time that's happened. It doesn't make it right. You look no, back no. to when Woodville came into the competition, exactly. when Central came into the Sandful. Yep. Uh, another player that will be targeted, I believe, is Montana McKinnon, the young Ruckman, Ruckman as yeah. well. Yeah, Ruck, oh, no, we can't say Ruckman, can we? Uh, Ruck, what Ruck, did we say? Ruck. Ruck. Yeah. Ruck. Yeah. yeah, we just say uh, Ruck. Yeah. Uh, apologies if that offended someone. Stop being so sensitive. <laughs> what do we do with third man in cricket? Third person. Okay. Righto. Let's go to the phones, Rooch. We've got uh, Mark from Grange. Hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. G'day, guys. How are you? Not bad. Rooch, I want your opinion um, about Lloyd. He picked the top eight, but he, he didn't even have a Port Adelaide, not even fourth or third. I found that really surprising. Mm, I'm not so surprised, Mark, because I actually started working through where the teams are at. Uh, I struggled to yeah. get Port beyond seventh. Really? Yeah, well, uh, well, the talent they got, you think, yeah. yeah well, there's a fair bit of talent in the competition. I don't see them as better than Geelong. I don't see them better than Brisbane. I don't see them better than Richmond. I don't True. see them better than Melbourne. So they're already now fifth. And then I'm arguing about Sydney and the Western Bulldogs might be better than Port Adelaide. That puts them seventh. So uh, if yeah, Lloyd's got a lot of worries that, at Port already. Well, no, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an extremely tight competition, mm. isn't it? Yeah, that's why I thought it very yeah, strange with yeah. our own Kano, and it's all opinions. Was it Kane and David King or Bucks? David King uh, saying that a pass mark was a grand final for Port because I don't have them better but than all I, those sides. I don't mate. see them as a top four group. Uh, I think they can make the top four. Yeah, and I've certainly got them in the top eight, and that's at the expense of Collingwood and Fremantle. And there's a question mark alongside yeah. of the Bulldogs. Mm. So it's not easy. Okay. And I think Mark, what? we get a bit insular though. We only look at our own sides yeah. here in Adelaide, and we don't look at the depth of the other sides. Before you go, uh, I was at a 100th party, right? And this photo came out of yourself, uh, Scott Hodges, David Toodle, uh, who was, uh, and uh, Joe, the, masseur, the masseurist. Oh, right. And he, he took, and he took this, I think you took it out to the Port Vincent Hotel. Yeah, we did, Mark. No, it wasn't, da- wasn't David Toodle, though. Uh, Bronte Munford was who in was it. it? Bronte Mumford. Oh, uh, Bronte. Oh, yeah, yeah, North right. yeah, you're right. You're Scotty right. Hodges. Yeah, that was uh, New Year's Day. We, we we had a fair day too, I can assure you. A good time had by all, Mark. <laughs> yeah, when he, show, when he showed me, I said, you're kidding. <laughs> you know these guys. <laughs> yeah, he's a good mis- hey, hey, Joe, but he's a good misleader. Yeah, he's a good man. a real quick one? Yeah, go. Weedham, uh, in the old day, Weedham and, and Hodges had problems with their legs, right? So... What he's done is he's got cabbage, he's cooked it in seawater, he's put it around their leg legs, warm warm towels, kept it for a while. Yeah. Both Weedham and Hodges were okay. It's some Egyptian remedy he was telling me about. He, I couldn't yeah, believe it, but yeah, it stinks. Yeah, that's true. To, wasn't it Daryl Carl who used to have to keep 
uh, a cleaned out orange on his heel. In oh, his there booth. were well, Tesla. Yeah, I spent the whole day with Joey the masseur. Yeah. Uh, he needs his own chat show. He really? Had a, he had a story for absolutely everything. every injury. And the confessions people make when they're getting a massage, it, oh. it was staggering. A good man and really strong hands, really strong hands. All right, we need to go to a break, Reach. It's confessions uh, to a masseur. Yeah, well, it's a bit like when you're getting your hair cut. You just, just gibber away. Yeah, you do. They ask you a question, you feel obliged to uh, answer <laughs> it for some silly reason. Uh, Paul, Bruce Dawes coming up shortly. Jade Rawlings and uh, Mark Stone. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. on a Tuesday afternoon. The text number 0427154166. Now, Mark from Grange, who just rang through and said he saw a photo of me on New Year's Day, Roots, said he thought David Tootle was in the photo. Now, it's just dawned on me. David Tootle is one of the great jockeys of South Australia. Uh, in his senior years now, but still riding in his 60s. Mm. Now, it was Scott Hodges, yes. Bronte Mumford, myself, Bronte. Joe the Masseur, mm. and the little person that he mistook for a jockey was Glenn Cooper from Cooper's Brewery. He's not that little? Yeah, Glenn, he's not big. He's a rover. Well, yeah, but he's not little. Yeah, he's a rover, Rich. Okay. He's a rover in the old sense. Stands uh, tall. He sat, stands tall. Yeah, he stands tall, yes, when he's standing on his wallet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he went to school with... It's true. Yeah, he went to school at PAC and sat next to Bronte Mumford. There you go. Ah. For all North fans, and if there's a generation out there saying, who the hell is Bronte Mumford? He played 100 games for North Adelaide. Have a look at the photo in 1973 when Graham Corns took the mark, and you'll see a bloke underneath. That's Bronte yeah. Mumford. Yeah. <laughs> Sat That's on a classic grand final too. Hey, Rich, that was good footy, that. Yeah. 73 grand final. The old Swamp Fox was coaching. Mike, Mike Patterson, Patterson no longer with us. Uh, nor uh, Neil Curley. Yeah. Rooch. Yes. Quick text. Afternoon, boys. Any news on when the Sandfall will announce this year's life members? Should be in the next two weeks. <clears throat> two AGM weeks' time? should be in two weeks, yeah. Should All righty. Now, Michael, I'll tell you what. He, he's, like an, he's like an elephant. He, he does not forget anything. <laughs> He's done a little drive-by here. He did, says, did you have to bring that thing in? The elephant? No, it's tight enough in here as it is. Oh, well, it is, Roach. Well, get yourself fitter. Hey, Kimbo. Oh, I beg your pardon. The, the elephant looks very trim at the moment. <laughs> hey, Kimbo, did you hear Chris Scott yesterday say he'd do away with pre-season <laughs> games and add two or three more rounds to the home and away season? Now, this is having a dig at me saying we should bring back the pre-season cup. And, Michael, I will say, this is why you do not ask coaches for an opinion. But here's Chris Scott anyway. I do. I do think that going in um, with a little more uncertainty would be better for the fans and sort of more interesting for the people that um, study the game. Certainly less certainty. But I think that's one of the things the AFL have tried to do over the last four or five years is kind of, um, you know, add to um, the chaos, if you like, um, make, make it harder to... Um, really control the game um, from the coach's box. So more frustrating for us, but um, I, I get the hypothesis that that would be a good thing for the game. Not I see sure what he's saying, be. Rich. Not sure it would be. I see what he's saying, yeah. but the fact is, you tell me, every coach would then do at least still three internal trials. But they, they do more than three, as it well, is, four, Kim, You know they have five. quarters of match simulation yeah. at times. So they, mm. they, there are some people actually think that the worst thing we're doing with Australian football is having long pre-seasons. I'd love to get Darren Burgess on, 
on this point. Well, we'll get him on then. Let's do that. We'll do that, Rich. He's mm. a good friend of yours. Yeah, Ring him let's up. Let's do it. Do well, some we'll, work. Well, I'll send him a note straight Stop away. Stop making bum fluff Benny do everything. Stack of text coming through. There's a few more in Port Adelaide. We'll get to those right after this break. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. Three twenty-seven. just a reminder, Jade Rawlings coming up at 4 o'clock. Mark Stone at 4.30, Brisbane's strategy coach and Glenelg Premiership coach as well. Really looking forward to having a chat to Stoney. Of course, you play them, Roach, on the 18th of March, Saturday night. Personally, Twilight I game. won't. Personally, I will not, Kim. And there's a lot of Port supporters that are thankful <laughs> of that. <laughs> personally. I'd, I'd be willing, but they won't pick me. Will, personally, <laughs> I'd love to see you in a forward pocket. Who do you think would clean me up first? Oh, I don't know, but just for getting you to wear a pair of shorts <laughs> properly, you can't even get your normal pants on with all out your uh, bum crack right. hanging out everywhere. Thank you very much. All right. There's a text. Boys, <laughs> seems everyone is coming around to my way of thinking mm-hmm. that Port are in the 7th to 12th block. I think the AFL is in four blocks this year rather than three. Okay. One, to four, one to four teams are clear, then five to six, then seven to 12, although eight teams could conceivably be in that six. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that Adelaide – Finishes above Port this year. We know text. what, yeah, we know what Port can do, and we know what they can't. Nothing will change, as ever. It's can we do what we do for long enough? That's from Phil. Mm. Oh, look, I know it was a tough year last year. Don't box shadows, Port Adelaide supporters. Just enjoy the ride. Indeed, I think there is going to be an be improvement. An ride too. But I'll be interested how they go against Freo this uh, week because that was a superior game to the Port West. Coast game, in okay. my humble roots, we'll it was see. a better we'll m- ball movement. Thursday, Alia uh, Alia uh, was on uh, radio this morning over in Perth. Now he had a press, press conference. Yeah, so. press conference, yep. and uh, everyone talks about Port need another tool, but he wants to be the main man in defence. Yeah, I mean we, we've been able to do that um, towards the back end of last year, where I was able to just sort of go on the number one forward and then um, try to shut them down. Because when I did come over here, so. Um, I sort of told him, you know, I'm not just an intercept player because that's what everyone thought. You know, I, I just come and fly across, but um, I can't play that one-on-one. I can play tall and small. So I've always told Kent from the start, um, whatever you need me to do, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it. So I think, um, you know, it's up to the match committee whether they're exploring me playing on the number one or if they want me to be that intercept player. But, um, you know, as, as long as we're getting wins, I don't really care <laughs> where I play. You can go play me up forward and I'll be, I'll be happy. Hey, let's just quickly uh, get another grab from Malia on last week's match. Yeah, I mean, uh, whenever, because pre-season is a long time these days and, um, you know, you, you want to be able to have a proper football hit out and um, I guess it's tough sometimes when, you're, you know, you've been going against yourself for a couple of months, um, you know, so and, and the way we were able to play was just very um, sloppy. Skills weren't, weren't um, as good, we weren't up to the level and then, um, you know, skills were a lot better when we played the Eagles. I think it was just... Sort of our contest in the air wasn't a, as great from sort of mid to um, to the back line. So, uh, and I think the the good thing with practice match, um, you get another chance to review it um, and then get another run before you obviously start the season. Alir Alir, he's been a wonderful recruit for Port Adelaide. Three thirty news coming up. Then we'll be joined by Bruce Dawes. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. 
Billy 3.35 on a Tuesday afternoon. Simon Hill coming up shortly, followed by Jade Rawlings from the Norwood Football Club. And at 4.30, we'll be joined by Brisbane strategy coach Mark Stone. He's a uh, premiership coach for the Glenelg Football Club, and he's a good man. But right now, we're going to talk Sandful W. This is a, a good story. West Adelaide currently sit on top of the ladder after two rounds. Uh, their coach is Bruce Dawes. He has a story, and it's a good one, Roach, and he joins us now. Bruce, thanks for your time. Oh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you very much for having us. Our pleasure. Before we get into the last couple of weeks and the season ahead, tell us a little bit more about yourself. You were coach of Sturt. Now, we believe you left in awkward circumstances. Can you enlighten us on that? Oh, mate, it wasn't that awkward. Uh, it was one of those ones where um, I chose not to get vaccinated and the Sanford decided to uh, bring in their mantle mandates um so that meant i had to step away so uh that's what i chose to do uh no doubt not ideal um because i had a lot of great relationships with the uh players and the clubs at Sturt. uh but unfortunately that's that was the rules and so that was the situation so um yeah, one door closes, another one opens. Yeah, you weren't the only person to go through a similar story like that, but it would have been difficult. You'd done a power of work at Sturt to get them from down the bottom into the finals, so it uh, it would have been slightly painful. Oh, it was, mate, but there's no doubt. Uh, I still got a daughter that plays at Sturt, mm. so um, Elsie, and so I still wanted the best for them and that group, and there's no doubt I was barracking for them on grand final day last year to try and get over the top of North, which was yeah. unfortunate, but mm. um, yeah, that's life, really. So, Bruce, did you use the year out to make some advances in your coaching, or did you just step away from the game completely? Uh, mate, unfortunately, I wish my, my wife would have wished I'd stepped away from yeah. the game completely, <laughs> but... Um, I actually uh, jumped on the board uh, and the ah, Hills Football League, okay. uh, so I was a board member up there. And the last couple of years, I um, started doing a little bit of umpiring, similarly in the Hills Football League. So um, went back up to the Hills and umpired up there, and was fortunate enough to end up doing the Hills A Grade Grand Final up there last year. So um, that was uh, always exciting and, and something new. Thought that would be a good opportunity for me to. See football from the other side. I can say I'm probably one of those players that used to give the umpires a fair bit of encouragement. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it was to see what it was like from the other side and um, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, that's you, what we did. You're an absolute football tragic, but you're a coaching tragic as well. Correct. I was reading that you uh, started Correct. coaching when you, were an absolute, when you were junior. Yeah, it was one of those situations, but I just always wanted to try and give back. It's a great game and I love it. And um, I reckon I started coaching when I was probably playing under-14s, under-17s, coaching under-8s and stuff like that. Um, I've got a family that's always been involved with football and it's not just my immediate family, just you know, uncles, aunties, everybody. So, um, we, uh, yeah, it's just an opportunity to get back into football and that's what we did. Well, you're living the life of Neil Curley, taking your team from bottom to top. So, <laughs> Westies are loving it. Now, did they reach out yeah, to you? Yeah, let's not go did... too early on that. Well, <laughs> did you reach out to them or did they come... Looking for you? Uh, no, it was a situation where uh, at the end of the season, West Adelaide um, advertised for a coach. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a conversation with Sturt at the end of the season, just sort of asked what they wanted to do. And rightly so, they chose to stick with Michael O'Connor, their existing coach. And he's taken to a grand final, so why wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I applied and went through the interview process and, um, yeah, was happily surprised to get it at the end of the day. Before we get into this week's game, because it's 1v2, it's going to be a cracker. Mm. Um, 
The development of the game since you've been involved in the Sandful W over the last four or five years, uh, describe that. Oh, mate, it's, it's increased every year. The the Probably the talent coming through from our 15, 16, 17-year-olds now who have played four or five years of footy is massive. Mm. Um, and every year the standard of football is improving. Uh, and you know, I get it. You know, There's a lot of people that didn't like it to start with but who have come back to the game now and have gone, wow, this is actually some real skill and uh, strategy about the game and it's worth worthy of watching. Um, so it has. It's massively improved. And I think consistently every year it will keep improving. Um, like I said, the likes of 15, 16-year-old girls coming through, um, there's some real talent there. And like I said, they've, they've got the basic skills sorted already. Big game, top of the table clash with your group in South Adelaide. But the player to watch, Lauren Young, we were so... It was just awful to see the note a year ago about her ACL. How's, how's the comeback? Mate, she's fantastic. Uh, and you can, I think people got to remember she's still only 17 years yeah. old. You know, and, um, she's gone through a lot, uh, obviously winning the you know, um, McGarry medal as such for the, mm. the ladies as a 15-year-old. Doing the ACL, she could have sort of gone two ways about it. But uh, from the moment I was appointed coach, every time I'd go down the club... She'd be in the gym, she'd be doing work on her knees, she'd be doing work at fitness. Um, her level of uh, recovery was just outstanding. Such a professional attitude for such a young kid. Um, and she was fantastic. So I think it's still one of those ones. She still only played you know, two games back mm. from an ACL. And I'd, again, people sort of get caught up that she's going to be... Um, you know, dominating the game. We don't expect that from her at this stage. We're just giving her every opportunity to get her body right, get her confidence with her body, um, and then perform as she can because uh, that's the exciting part, the upside for sure. Well, she kicked a beautiful goal last week. Your take on South Adelaide, as Roach mentioned, it's at Flinders University Stadium. Top of the table clash. Uh, it gets underway Saturday, this Saturday 6 at 6pm. Yep, and uh, admission is free. Hey, Bruce, we'll have to get you back on. It's a good chat. We've got plenty more right. to ask you. Uh, we wish you all the very best this weekend. Let's hope there's a good crowd there, and we appreciate your Correct. time today. Thank you too, gentlemen. Appreciate your time too. There he is, Bruce Dawes. It's an interesting story. Uh, we'll get him back on, Rooch, but we need to go to a break. The voice of football, Simon Hill, next. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and the Rooch. Kimbo on the reach with you on a mild Tuesday afternoon. We are live from Studio Lumo SA. Just a reminder, coming up after four o'clock, uh, Sandpool Premiership coach Jade Rawlings. Looking forward to having a chat to Twig. And uh, Brisbane strategy coach Mark Stone, of course. Another Sandpool Premiership yeah, coach. Yeah, for Glenelg, Port Adelaide, oh, yeah. taking on Brisbane, game one in the AFL. Mm. Let's move on to the big news now as we introduce the voice of soccer not just here in Australia, around the world. We cannot elevate this man enough. Uh, there was a big announcement by Football Australia. It's exciting regarding the Matildas. Simon Hill's going to tell us about it, courtesy of Channel 10. Hello, Simon. How are you guys? I'm not sure about around the world. We're, work, <laughs> sure we're working on that for you. We're working on that. Stop being humble. You're a legend. Uh, Happy New Year too. Yeah, you too, guys. You too. All right, the announcement. So the Matildas. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
Look, it's it's uh, a big coup to, to bring France over here. Uh, obviously, they're going to be preparing for the Women's World Cup, the same as the Matildas are anyway, so they'll probably be here anyway. But, uh, look, it's a, it's a great fixture. Um, France are one of the, the countries that could well challenge for the Women's World Cup. Uh, so it'll be a good test for our girls. Uh, the interesting thing about this fixture, of course, is that France are going through something of a troubled time at the moment off the field. Uh, their legendary defender and captain, Wendy Renard, who's one of the best players in the, in the women's game, by the way, in her position, uh, said a couple of weeks ago she wasn't going to play for the national team anymore. And a couple of others followed suit, uh, saying they weren't happy with the coach, Corinne Diacre. Mm. Uh, and the news out of France is that over the next 24 hours, we may see the coach resign and the head of the French Football Federation, Noel Legre, resign as well. Um, so if that is the way it turns out, then it would appear the, uh, the the footballers have got their wish and that they'll have a new coach in place. And maybe we'll get to see Wendy Renard and the other two girls who, who pulled out as well. So a very interesting mm. fixture uh, for lots of reasons. So we played on Bastille Day. We are gracious hosts in Australia, aren't we? We picked the French National Day to host the French National Team. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, well, you know, that's our, our courtesy, isn't it? And um, I'm sure that won't extend to being on the field as well, given that it'll be the final hit out before the uh, the proper stuff starts. And, of course, they've got to play England in London yep. before that in April. So there's a couple of big tests. England are another team that you know, could well win the Women's World Cup. They're, they're the reigning European champions, mm. won that in London last year. So two, a couple of good tests for the Matildas and... Um, you know, we'll probably have a fair idea of, of where they're at uh, after those two matches ahead of that big tournament. You don't think we're already getting a fair hint that they've turned the corner, that the new format, the new lineup, the results of the past month would suggest that they're in a pretty good position for this World Cup? Well, I hope so. Yeah, look, I hope so. And, and I think there are certainly some good signs. Um, you know, winning the Cup of Nations mm. was terrific. Uh, albeit, and, and I say this caveat not to be churlish, but... Yep. It's a fact that Spain were without, you yeah, know, a whole yeah. host of their top players. There's, there's a lot of women's teams around the world at the moment are going through a lot of these off-field issues. And Spain were without a lot of their best players. Now, whether they'll be back for the World Cup or not, I don't know. Um, as it stands, I don't think they will be. But, uh, you know, Matildas are, uh, are challenges. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, the fact that we're playing at home uh, can give them a big lift, as we saw mm-hmm. in the Cup of Nations. But... Uh, you know, I think there are still one or two question marks still to be resolved. The defensive issues. I know they beat Spain 3-2, but Spain came back late on. I'm not talking about the likes of Jamaica or, or Ireland, with the greatest respect to those two countries. I think Australia have got enough in the tank to beat both those countries. Yep. But yep. I'm talking about the, you know, the, the real top nations in the world, which, of course, are the, are the sides they're going to have to beat if they're going to win that trophy. Mm. Just talking of the World Cup then, the draw for Australia, Ireland, Nigeria and Canada. Happy with that? Mm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ireland, obviously, the the first game, which is going to be at a sold-out stadium, Australia, in Sydney. Um, again, on paper, Australia should beat Ireland. However, I, I call the Matildas against Ireland, albeit this was a friendly in Dublin about uh, 18 months ago, two years ago, right at the outset of Tony Gustafsson's reign. And Ireland beat Australia. So, you know, they've got some good players, uh, particularly Kate McCabe, who plays in the FA Women's Super League for Arsenal, but there are others as well. Uh, and I do see that Danielle De La Harp, who's an A-League women's player here, has actually declared for Ireland as well. So she she may well be in that squad. 
Um, but I think Australia should have enough for both Ireland and Jamaica. The, the, the real test, obviously, is Canada. And mm. uh, given what I've just said about uh, the, the off-field stuff, Canada is another country that is going through these off-field problems. Uh, their girls threatened. Well, they've actually been on strike over paying conditions. Oh. They did come back to play uh, friendly against the Americans under protest, under duress. Um, a couple of weeks ago and you know whether they'll all be here in June July whether they'll all be in the right frame of mind or not, I don't know but they're the big test because they're the reigning Olympic champions they won in Tokyo in 2021 and they're a good side so uh, yeah it's it, it's you know it's all a little bit of a, an unknown at the moment and um, you know that could play into Australia's hands or, or it might not which we'll have to wait and see. What we do know is that we'll be able to see the Matildas take on France on the 14th of July at Marble Stadium. You'll see it and hear it on Channel 10, courtesy of Simon Hill. All right, let's address the elephant in the room. That's Adelaide United no, are absolutely no, no, no. robbed. Hang on, hang on. Before we get off the World Cup, Simon Hill was very busy on Twitter this morning <laughs> with bringing the elephant in the room. You say, Simon, we've got to get 10,000 fans to women's matches in the National League post-World Cup to have a legacy from this World Cup. No, I didn't. I didn't set that as a benchmark. I said it would be nice to mm-hmm. be aiming for some of the games to have big crowds like they have overseas. And by the way, <clears throat> ten thousand is is very kind, given that in the FA Women's Super League you're getting crowds of thirty, forty thousand for some yeah. of the really big yeah. games. In Spain, Barcelona got ninety thousand uh, for a game against Real Madrid, mm-hmm. and and we're seeing the same sort of pattern emerge across a lot of countries in Europe now. What I'd really like to see, and to be fair to James Johnson, whose article I was referring to, and he was mm. uh, interviewed in the West Australian, talking about the legacy of this Women's World Cup. And I, look, I've got no issue with what Jodo is saying about, you know, we want to increase participation. Yep. Uh, we want to, um, you know, have more women in, in leadership roles. Uh, we want better community facilities. I, I agree with all of that stuff, uh, with the caveat that, I mean, goodness me, if we have any more participants, we're not going to have any, any fields to play them on. You know, mm. we've got... We've got participants coming out of our ears. Yep. What, what we don't have is enough people sitting in the stands paying money to go and watch our professional leagues. And that is the big disconnect. And it is the elephant in the room because nobody seems to want to address it. Mm. Um, and until we get it fixed, we are going to remain static as a sport. Now, that's not James Johnson's issue uh, specifically because they Football Australia no longer run the A-Leagues. Yeah. But I'm sure they, you know, they work in conjunction with the APL who do run the leagues. And this really is an issue that's got to be addressed pretty much across the board. There are some exceptions of which your wonderful club is one down there in South Australia. They do pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are others. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of clubs at the moment, both men's and women's, that are dragging the chain in terms of bums on seats. And we can't just keep ignoring it. it it's a real problem. So the sooner it is addressed and some plans put into place to connect that massive participation base that we bang on about endlessly, and, you know, rightly so, in that regard, we're the biggest sport in the country. Um, But we've got to start getting more people uh, to go and watch the professional leagues because if we don't, then, you know, we're going to have big problems down the line. We've got them already. So... Uh, that was the reason for my tweet this okay. morning. All right. Okay. Makes a Sometimes lot of sense. Sometimes you've got to stir the, the hornet's nest. Oh, well, we'll yes. do that now. Yeah, we've well, we've we got can. this one going well, now. Well, no, look, it's getting very crowded in here. There's two elephants in the room. <laughs>
All right, we're Adelaide United robbed of three points with that ridiculous VAR, VAR decision. Um, Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. And look, I'll, ah, I'll no, give, Simon. I'll give you one thing. Simon, here's you, the point. You know my thoughts on VAR. Yeah, you know but you're not helping us, Simon. I don't like it. How, how can we how can <laughs> we judge this biased. if you're not going to show us what the ref is seeing? Well, that's a good point. Well, when when, are, you get, like when are you going to say something to your bosses and say, guys, if we're going to do a service <laughs> to our viewers, let's show them what the referee is seeing so that we can actually see why this penalty has been called. Sort this out, Simon. Well, first, first of all, that's way above my pay grade. Oh, no. Um, that's not secondly, what we're here. <laughs> secondly, I'm not sure that we didn't show what the referees saw because Ooh. I don't know what camera angles you know they were looking at. And this mm-hmm. is the big problem with VAR. We are not seeing what they see. We mm. are not hearing mm. what they're talking about. And until that disconnect is fixed, there's going to be all this angst over VAR. This is why I've never been in favour of it. Um, I think you, you end up re-refereeing games of football. Um, and you, you still have contentious decisions that people don't agree with. Now, you, you're always going to have that in sport, always. But what you don't have to have is a system that exacerbates that angst by reviewing it five, six, seven, eight times mm. and then coming up with a decision that half the people still don't agree with. It's got to be clear cut. Oh, with- and look, in my opinion, I've seen those penalties given before. Uh, I had no problem with it, but I do have a problem with the fact that it wasn't spotted in real time, yeah. and we had to, you know, waste two or three minutes watching a referee looking at a little square screen. That's not entertainment for me. I don't know about you, but I go to watch footballers. Okay, I don't so go to watch referees of, staring into screen. You're not a fan of the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't watch American football, mate. Oh, well, I'm Sorry. very, I'm very similar. Uh, gee, we've got a herd of elephants in here today. <laughs> um, you got to clean up. Actually. I was hoping for a little more passion then. I thought the uh, the lad had no play on the ball and took half a dive, but uh, I'm not as qualified as you, gentlemen. Ooh, half a dive, you yeah. say? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's not a lot in it, Rooch. <laughs> you don't think? Well, it might well you not. know, look. This, can I just explain something for you? Now, I, I know in. Uh, you know, in other sports, particularly, for example, rugby league, rugby union, mm. because you carry the ball, your eyes, once you get the ball in your arms, your eyes are on your opponents. Now, in football, that's not the case. Your eyes are on the ball all yep. the time. So mm. you, your, your peripheral vision is just that. It's peripheral. Yep. So when you go and step off and, and make a run towards the ball like the silver did, if somebody sticks out a leg and you can't see that, you're going over. It's not diving. It's, it's literally, you're not seeing it. You know, it, I'll give you the classic example. If I walk up behind you in the street and you can't hear me and I flick your ankles, you're going to go over. It's not that the contact is necessarily hard. It's the fact that it's enough to knock you off balance and you don't anticipate it. And what about that so he had no play on the ball? You know, it doesn't happened. come into it? The what? Sorry, say again? He had no play on the ball? Well, he didn't, but, you know, we've also seen uh, in games gone by when players are jostling for position from corner kicks in particular, mm. uh, there are defenders wrestling with attackers mm. and they're nowhere near the ball either, yep. but mm. it doesn't matter that's right. if there's a foul that's been committed. So, look, I can see why Adelaide are angry. Um, I had a similar incident with the Mariners Wellington 
on Friday night, Brian Caltech and everybody was saying, oh, he, he, he won the ball, and he did. But his foot skipped off the top of the ball and went into the player's shin and hurt him. So, you know, they're, they're those 50-50 decisions, and I, I, I totally understand why people get riled up by them. But I think it's being exacerbated by the fact that we're having to wait three or four minutes for VAR to make mm. a decision. And then we still don't all agree on the decision. Well, show it to us. Show know, us the all the vision, that? Simon, and then we'll all be happier. But you still won't agree. At least we'll have more information. At least we'll have more information to be arguing about. Now, now Roach, we, we love having Simon on to get an independent and balanced view, and I think we got that today. Uh, that decision may cost Adelaide a top two spot, but there's still a few games to go. Simon, really appreciate your time. We know how busy you are. That's a great announcement by Football Australia in regards to the Matilda. We look forward to your coverage yep. when they take on France on Friday the 14th of July, and we're loving your work on the A-League as well. We look forward to chatting to you again. Good on you guys. Have a great weekend. Yeah, Simon Thanks, Hill. Elephants everywhere, Roach. Oh, yes. yeah. But surely if we're not seeing everything the referee is seeing when he makes his VAR. I, I agree. Why can't it be like cricket? Yep. Cricket could not be better, where you actually hear the third umpire and all these referencing, like, mm. show that back, let me see the tracking, let me see the Nico and all that sort of stuff. So you got, you're actually hearing and seeing everything during the process. VAR, we just shut it you. down. I agree with you. You make a very good point. There's oh, another start elephant. Start a campaign. There's an elephant that we've got to get roaring through Football Australia well, to clean I that one up. What? There's one that wants to charge you at the moment because we're late for the 4 o'clock oh, news. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Twig sorry. is coming up next. Jade Rawlings. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. Three minutes past four. We appreciate your company. Good chat to Simon Hill. A few texts coming in. Uh, wow, Simon Hill must be unwell. He didn't even bag the AFL this week. <laughs> Rightio. He's fairly balanced, isn't he? No, no, uh, he has a few Now, Rich, are you writing a book, are you? No, you didn't tell me about this. Uh, well, there's it's some notes. Are you? Yes. Well, there's a text that's come through here from yeah. Ethel from Ethelton, Hello, Ethel. who can be very harsh at times. She yeah. says, Rucci... Yeah. What date is your autobiography coming out? No, we haven't settled on the date yet. Really? Well, no. she's got the title, The Penthouse to the Outhouse. No, that's not it. That's it's not, not title, it? No. no. That's unkind, isn't it? That's saying that the advertiser was the penthouse and we here at SEN are the outhouse. That's very wrong too. Uh, I'll tell you who was in the outhouse last year. They were the premiers of the Sandful. He's now the super coach. One top point of, victory. Top of the mountain. Yeah, Got one there. point victory. No yep. pressure this year. No. How will they defend no. the title? No. The man known as Twig, Jade Rawlings, joins us. Jade, Happy New Year. And to you, Kimbo and Roots. How are you doing, boys? Not bad. Look forward to asking you that question at the end of the year. Is it harder to win a premiership or to defend one? <laughs> I'll look forward to answering it. <laughs> yeah. A big year coming up. You take on Woodville West Torrens, Cooper Stadium, Friday, March 31st. You've got your first... Uh, Series hit out against Central uh, this Saturday at High Sense Stadium. We'll get to that shortly. Having a look at the players that you've brought in, Twig, I tell you what, the influx of players recruited to the Sandfall is huge. You've grabbed them from the AFL, VFL, VFA, North Launceston, North Hobart, Sandfall, mm. Northern Territory, it goes on. Are you happy with what you've received? Yeah, we are, Kimbo. We're pretty structured with what type of player and character we want to bring into our footy club. And... 
we're very open also to the, the personalities and the, the quality of player and, and also the background. I've got a young fellow called Hugh Strickland who's from ACT and just through connections and being in Adelaide for a couple of years, the, the name lands in the lap and you explore his background and he's really thrived being in our environment as a young 18-year-old. So it's not always your top-end VFL, SNFL or AFL players. It's a bit deeper than that. And we're also really keen to make sure we've got a high percentage of under-18 players that graduate in the senior program as well. We we always want to make sure that Norwood juniors can mm. see the pathways being attainable to play for the senior team. So there's some tangible examples of it happening over the last couple of years and we want to continue that to be the case and then for them to see that it's real. Is the turnover re-energising the group or is it more challenging for you to now get them all united and on the same page? Yeah, it's a bit of both, Roach, because the guys we lost from 2022 are guys who had a couple of years at it, probably didn't quite become senior players or had got to their threshold of SNFL commitment. We lost Rantel, who was always probably most likely going back to Melbourne and Nelligan, who's gone overseas for study. But it is graduating our new players into the Norwood way, if you like. So mm. we don't apologise for the program. It has to keep rolling on, and our new people need to catch up to it. And we try and bring them along in various ways at the right speed. But our core group are very good at bringing the players along as well as our coaches. So it is a balance. And last year, we probably took six, seven weeks before team chemistry and synergy was established. So that's why this practice match period is quite important for us to allow Sanders, Saunders, Callow, Ling, Locke, uh, Stingle, Wright, mm. all these guys who are new and we think are going to be senior players to be able to work their way into the group. Well, interested in your point about Rantel, you thought he was always going to return to Melbourne. Is that because of non-football issues or is he better off staying here and, and looking for that next chance by staying in the Sanford? How did that play out? Yeah, I'm happy to talk to it, Roach. I was really close with Jay. He lived with me, and uh, it's not the sexiest thing to live with the coach, but he was a very popular member <laughs> right. of our house. Yeah. Uh, uh, very uh, mature in his outlook on life, but certainly not a lad, Roach. He, yeah. um, he's very driven. He Australian basketball as a junior. Collingwood, very disappointed that it came to an end and probably came to Adelaide to get redrafted. That was his core purpose. Yeah. And then as the year went on, became more of a connected Norwood player, you could say, but I said to him during the year, mate, if you're thinking about going back, rather than worried about my response, tell me now and we'll work through it because I know I'll get everything out of you in 2022. So he was honest. We knew seven, eight weeks out he was going back, but I don't think anyone could dispute his commitment to us and what he gave of us to us during the season. So that's why each scenario is unique, Roach, that the circumstances of what drives some players is going to be different to others and being able to manage that's one of the tricks in this trade. What about yourself personally, Jade? How are you feeling in terms of being settled as a coach? What is it, your third year now and as a citizen of South Australia? Yeah, love it, Kimbo. It's only increased my love of Adelaide, South Australia and the competition. And not just because we were able to be successful last year, more because of the... What, what it brings day to day, uh, my enjoyment of the competition as well as the, the job itself. So uh, my family moved over on the 11th of January this year and uh, I do school drop-off, school pick-up now where I haven't done it for four years and never mm. been an active part of their lives. So that balances it out. And the other important thing is the family need to understand how I do this job. I can't compromise on, on the job the way I've done it the last two years. Otherwise, it would be too big a shift for the players and the club. So um, love it. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else, so really happy at the moment. How different are you as a coach to what you were in your first year? Uh, probably for others to judge, Kimbo, but my 
feeling would be I'd, I'm probably not as uh, guided by my AFL background because mm. all I knew was all I knew when I got over here. And so working out standards and what's fair and reasonable to demand and ask of the players was a challenge. And some would probably say that I probably asked a bit too much early, but equally I don't apologise for that because it, there was a fair bit of growth opportunity within the club to do more and look at things differently. So I think my, my empathy's always been okay. Hopefully the players would say that it's probably increased in my understanding of them as people. Uh, my beliefs in the game are still as strong as when I got over here. And, but also I've got an unbelievably strong coaching group that I can entrust further. So I would say that the, the people would say that uh, hands are off the wheel a bit more through the summer and observe more and, yeah, not feel as I've got to be in control of everything. So um, it's a real artistry when you're trying to impose a, a game style and a cultural shift in a footy club and knowing when to push and when to pull back is hard. I'm sure all coaches would say something similar to you guys. Jade, Kim and I have had a pretty good discussion about pre-seasons, how they're structured in the AFL. What's perfect in the sample? The three practice matches really enables you to manage the time for senior players and give opportunity to younger ones. Mm. So part of if it's a new coach, like Darren Rees will be trying to establish a way of playing. Uh, Tyson Goldsack will probably do, doing the same thing at Port Adelaide. Mm. Um, so it varies from club to club as to what your needs are. I know Serge, he's very good at managing his senior players because they've been to the well a few times over the course of a number of pre-seasons. So I think it's all personal choice how many we have, but three gives you the flexibility uh, I always see trial match three as a dress rehearsal for round one, so it gives the players some pretty accurate feedback about where they sit at that time without any guarantees if you're in that game. But um, uh, pre is a necessary evil for, for players. As much as it's hard and draining and demanding, it's mm. what sets you up for the season, and it's always tough to keep getting to the line with the training sessions where there's no carrot of a game at the end. So yep. this period in March definitely enables them to perform and put their best foot forward to be in the starting eight, starting 22 for round one. Twig, you haven't managed to sprinkle your magic dust yet on your Sandful W program. They've had uh, two losses. Are you involved at all in the program? Oh, Kimbo, you're pretty keen to bring us back to earth. Yeah, very good. <laughs> it's a brutal um, game. <laughs> it is, mate. Um, it also, a change there as well. Um, yeah, Brad Snell's become the coach of SNFLW at Norwood this year. Very close loss to North Adelaide round one. Mm. Probably didn't play to full capacity against South on the weekend. But there's a real overhaul of personnel and individuals playing. And I see that group will come together probably in game three to game four. So uh, we talk often as a club as to when there's change in certain coaching positions, what do we want out of the under-18 program? What do we see as the women's main charter? Is it is success measured by premiership finals or individual personal growth. So it varies from uh, level to level as to what the club is after. So, yeah, it'll be frustrating for Brad and the girls. They haven't got the win, but uh, two very close losses. We've been talking to all the Sandful coaches, and they're absolutely loving the integration. Inter- Say that for me, will you, Twig? Integration. Thank you very much, Roach. Uh, of the women's and, and the men's, are you, love, are you love enjoying having them at the club? Yeah, we really do. We... Because it's easy to say that you're an inclusive club, but it's what you do. Mm. And people will always be judged by what they do. And it, I feel as though our board, from the moment I stepped into the club, was committed to what is uh, environment that enables the female program, junior and senior men's, to be able to thrive. And there's been genuine demonstrations from the playing group 
to playing group on functions, uh, with training sessions, and just general interactions around the club. So it means a lot to us to be really consistent with how each club and each sorry team's viewed and treated. And I think we'll all agree that the, the men's senior programs are most highlighted, but how you how you act in day-to-day and, and treat the environment as though it's everybody's, that's what you ultimately get judged on with this sort of stuff. Jade, is there a moment in the pre-season where you can see in your players that they still have the hunger to go back-to-back or are they? is there a moment where you've had to remind them you can't live off a premiership for too long? No, I'll be pretty open to that, Rich. I've, I did driven from the leadership positions at the club as to how our young men were going to behave and, mm. and respond to what happened in 22. I haven't had that issue with this group because we touched on it very quickly. Right. The thing you learn, I've never been in a premiership club, boys, so you, you learn quickly that the 22 and the coaching group that were part of it were so fortunate, but there were another 40-odd that weren't part of it. Yep. And if we get around in a manner that is still celebratory and at times at the risk of being boastful, the message it sends to 40 others is, oh, so you guys are different to us, are you? And uh, that's yeah, what I'm yeah, hypersensitive yeah. to. And the the equality of what a player we were in jumper number 72 this year and how does he get treated equally to our captain, Matty Nunn? So th- that's really, it means a lot to me. And uh, I know it does to our board. So mm-hmm. us in leadership positions really have to um, regulate that, audit it, and make sure that our own messaging and our behaviour is the way we want our players' behaviour right to be. So, I'll keep an eye on the um, club president for you. <laughs> you got a close a direct line there with a great... Yeah, I'll keep an eye on him. I'll keep yeah. an eye on him. Uh, as long as you've got James. Our, <laughs> our, group, our group haven't reached their full potential as individuals, and I don't think that they've we've fully mastered what we can in our, our game style either. And that comes with new personnel this year. So there's enough reason for us not to be satisfied with we haven't achieved everything that we want to and what I think the group could be capable of and what that looks like in success is different ways but obviously last year it was a very obvious way which we're pretty proud of. Jade we always appreciate you jumping on for a chat hopefully we can do it right throughout the year of course SEN will be covering the Centville as well and if you're a Nord supporter get to High Sense Stadium 12.45 this Saturday when they have their first strong hit out against Central. Good luck for the year Jade. Good on you, Kimbo. Thanks, Roach. There we go, Jade Rawlings. He's a ripper. Watch He's fully invested. Yep. He loves the sample competition. He is well and truly bought and sold on that. Mm. All right, Roach, we need to go to a break. Stack of text coming through. And we're also going to hear from Andrew Brayshaw about what he thought of their hit out against the Eagles and Oscar Allen about facing Port. No, they played the Crows, didn't they? Yeah. You said but, against the Eagles. No, I said, didn't I say the... How they went against... Uh, I've got no idea what I said. We're going to hear from Andrew Brayshaw. Get stuff for each and Oscar Allen as well. Excuse me. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Rooch. 421. Okay, I've regained my thoughts and my composure, Roach. Integration. Integration. Who did Fremantle play at the weekend? They played the Crows. Well done. (laughs) What else have we got? Oscar Allen. We're going to hear from him very shortly. Lost the plot. I had two coffees within two hours, Roach. It messes with You don't have coffees. You just have spoiled milk. Yes, thank you. Don't oversell it. A very near and dear friend found that quite humorous, Roach, (laughs) when you said that. Uh, She has become a fan of yours. Uh, What Um, coffee does she drink? uh, Lattes. 
Um, no sugar. All right, here's a text from Brett. Oh, she's sweet enough, is it? Which, well, I think so. Um, Roach. Yes. We had a text about you writing an autobiography. Now, yeah. Brett has sent through a text saying, G'day, Kimbo and Roach. Hey, Michelangelo, if you release an autobiography, I'll be a keen buyer and reader. Yeah. It would be very interesting, mate. Double thumbs up. Now, if you were to write one, Roach, because you have mm-hmm. had conflict and run-ins with a lot of people. A lot of people. Which would be the spiciest chapters? Would it be your relationship with John Cale? Yeah, that would probably be a difficult one because when you grow up as John Cale being your hero, and, and look, many people tell you that, just leave him as your hero. But I mean, when you mm. go into the industry and you have to work, well, they're no longer your heroes. You just got to deal with them as anyone yep. else. But yeah, that one, yeah, that one's difficult. Is but that... the one that's even more difficult is Mark Williams. Now, I wasn't aware of that. I know well, you've had run-ins, but, but in the, is look, and this is this is a problem everyone faces that when you have to be critical of a person's work, you're being critical of their work, not critical of them. Hmm. I mean, I I still feel uneasy about you know hearing that when Jenny Williams says the only person who's ever made her cry for something they've written was me. I mean, I, that's hmm. not the intent of why you do it. That's not what it's. Are about. you good with Mark now, or is it broken? I, I, I dare say if we crossed the street with each other, we'd be able to say hello, but he wouldn't stop for the conversation. Mm. I'd stop. Mm. I've got no problem with chatting with him, none whatsoever. Well, maybe you do have to write one. Uh, Max Bashir, would there be a chapter there? Yeah, a long chapter. And that, is that a good one? or Because I thought you were close to him. Yeah, but we had we had a really difficult moment in 1986 when we're talking about the VFL mm. pretty well changing the shape of football and, and Max and I had a very very difficult moment in Perth to which took 30 years later for oh, it all to be resolved he really? apologized yeah he apologized admitting he was out of line but yeah it was difficult but I mean that's because of the tension of you get in football either. politics yeah, I understand and, and the, be... look, the really the really difficult chapter to write would be about the end and, and not just about how and you've heard how Mark Duffield yesterday he his chapter of how he ends at the West Australian is very difficult. Mm. Newspapers are in a really bad place, Kim. And when you have spent your life getting ink into your blood, and that ink dries up before you've dried up, that is really hard. And some of the issues that came with it, particularly in the last three years at Weymouth Street with the advertiser, would be. Difficult to write, but even difficult for people to read and say, how does this happen? I mean, there were things going on that just should never have happened. And, and look, you've lived part of it with me. You saw what it did to me. Oh, I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah, but yeah. that's uh, – look, Mark yeah. Duffield's gone through that in the past year, and I'm glad to see he's with us at SEM because it allows him to continue to – to do a craft that he loves. He now does it in a radio form rather than a written form, but good on him. Need to go to a break. Mm. Maybe there'll be a chapter you can explain why you try to get me sacked so often with articles in the paper, Roach. <laughs> if ever someone haunts you, it'll, uh, be, it'll be my mother. Yeah, I reckon, you'd be, I reckon you'd be fascinated about the politics that are played in media from division to division between television, television and newspapers. Oh, yes, yeah. there, there is politics and you, there. And you know, you know how agendas go from management to management, don't you? You've <laughs> lived a few of them, haven't you? Just a few, Roots. Well, how dumb were we in the era where you couldn't mention another TV channel or another newspaper? We'd say, you know, the afternoon newspaper or what did you guys say if Channel I'd, 7 did something? I'd never subscribed to that. Well, how dumb never, was ever. that? It was, it was stupid. Uh, we could go a bit further with that, but we couldn't need we? to go to a break, Roach.
Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Rooch. Thirty-one Brisbane strategy coach Mark Stone coming up in about nine or ten minutes. Roach, after talking about uh, you possibly writing a book, a few texts coming through. Hi, Kimbo and Roach. Right. Is Roach resorting to penning an autobiography for extra cash after Albo today announced a doubling of tax on super fund balances over three million? That's from your good friend Blake. No, I don't have three million, and I'd love to know who has five hundred and forty-four million in their super. One Australian has five hundred and forty-four million in super. Yeah, I was trying to keep that a secret. Um, regarding your book, Roach, <laughs> spiciest chapter. There's a text that's come through, and it's not Mario either. I thought immediately it was. It says spiciest chapter would be with his goat herd in Italy. Now, what are they implying there, Roach? Not sure. Nor am I. So we'll move right along here before we go to the news. Uh, Lance, have we been? No, no, we've been to the news, haven't we? How well am I going? Hang on, I'm getting handed stuff at the moment. We've got some breaking news, Roach? Yes, we'll have a supplementary draft in the AFLW on Tuesday, April 4. So all the dates are being set now for when the AFLW will start all the player movement. We know that as of tomorrow at 9am Melbourne time, you can start the priority signing, such as Ash Woodland to Port Adelaide, so to speak. Roach. What? Come on. She'll still be in Adelaide. You can still watch her. She'll just be wearing better colours. Well, that's debatable. (laughs) All right, hang on. I've got another bit of paper here. We need to go to... Oh, we haven't been to the 4th no, news, been to the news I thought we had to go to the news. Let's go to the news. There's Miles Fitzner. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. A couple of minutes before we're joined by Mark Stone, Brisbane's strategy coach. Looking forward to chatting to him. Uh, I always find Alistair Clarkson a compelling listen. He was on Channel 7. This is Al Clarkson on his comments made to the female reporter. I spoke to a, spoke to a female journalist in a, in a manner that I didn't think was um, um, was condescending in any way whatsoever really, except that I thought her, her behaviour was untoward. Um, and she took offence to that. I apologised within the, the next couple of hours to her. Yeah, he's also posed the question whether he's losing a bit of control. You'd, you'd think with the experience that you, that you would, and I'd, I'd like to be able to say I, I'd continue to learn my lessons, but this, is, this has been with me ever since I was a kid. If I see something unjust or untoward, I'll defend. And I saw something that was unjust and untoward, and I felt like I needed to defend our players and our staff. And I can't give a guarantee that I won't do that again in the future. It's a weakness in how it's perceived outside the football club that I've lost control. I haven't really lost control, though, because I was doing what I thought was in the best interest of the club. And that was defending Taron Thomas. Now, Roach, you brought up about the fact the Hawks' racism investigation was still dragging on. and supposed to be sorted out in January, wasn't it? He was asked about that. It's, it's tough when you uh, have to confront um, these, types, these types of allegations, but we know the program that we put in place at that club over a long period of time, and, um, and uh, we know the care that we had for all people within that club. It was the reason why the club was so successful in that period. 
Roach, remember when we mm. had Gary Rowan on, a Cats player, former Sydney Swan, we asked him about the Bloods culture. To which he just mocked it. He mocked it big time. Alistair Clarkson was asked about the oh, shin bone spirit. Okay. It's probably the old, the old shin bone of values, really. You know, Are you going just, back to the shin bone of values? Yeah, it was, well, they've been um, indoctrinated in this club from probably, I think it was about the 1950s that were, they were such a big part of the football club. And my experience with the, uh, with the Kennedy uh, influence at, at Hawthorne uh, was that those deep-seated, earthy values, which is all, all football clubs are all about the people. True, they are. It mm. should be always about the people. Um, we'll watch with interest what unfolds at Arden Street this year. Oh, you could pretty well say he'll put things into a structured pattern. They'll get some unity. But it will take time, Kim. That's not a quick fix. All right, quick text on what you were talking about before in regards to the AFLW. Roach, if you can just announce that again. So we'll have the priority signings begin tomorrow, 8.30 our time, and that's where you've got Port Adelaide with access to go and raid again through the competition. And we're already hearing that Ash Woodland's the target from Adelaide. And then we will have the draft nominated for April 4, the supplementary draft. So they've got a heap of dates all the way through March. They'll always keep us busy, all leading up to Tuesday, April 4, the 8th supplementary draft. All so right, and I this time we know that they're going national rather than state by state. So that will be interesting also for Lauren Young. At, well, there's a text uh, here, Rooch. Uh, uh, Lance here from Birkenhead says, Kimbo and Rooch, will Port AFLW team have a chance to pick up Lauren Young next year? I believe she is on Port's next-gen squad. Will that help out with the chances of her getting to Port? Well, we know in the AFL they're getting rid of those next-gen uh, qualifications. But I haven't read where the AFLW have made a call on how they're going to structure this new draft. So I think we're still waiting for the mm. finer detail. But I would imagine she'll just go into a national pool, Lauren Young. Just waiting to get on to Mark Stone mm. in Brisbane. We've got a text from Brisbane. Matt says, any predicted top team for 2023 can see their season fall apart quickly with a few major injuries Correct. to key players, even Geelong. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Some clubs run a little, will bat a little bit deeper. Well, yeah, that's the big question, isn't it, Kim, about where is your depth and where you get those injuries? Well, let's find out how Brisbane's tracking at the moment. They've got a deeper squad now. Yeah, as we head up to Queensland, one of our favourites, Brisbane strategy coach and Glenelg premiership coach, because their list is looking pretty good. good. Mark Stone joins us now. Mark, Happy New Year. Same to you, Kimbo, and hello, Roach. Hope you guys have had a good year so far. Yeah, it's, it's been good, and it's good to get back to work, and we're excited that footy is getting a little bit closer, the real deal. Hey, can we ask you, Mark, about uh, the recruits this year? You, you've definitely strengthened the squad. We'll get to the two father-sons, but the fact you've got Josh Dunkley and Jack Gunston and Connor McKenna as well. Mm. Yeah, um, I think we've had a, a really good off-season in that department in terms of adding and strengthening our list. Uh, and all of those guys, have, I'm sure you'll ask me about them individually, but all, they've all slotted in really well. And uh, Jasper Fletcher had his first real strong training session today and will play his first game uh, on Friday. And he looks like a, a really good pickup as well. McKenna's interesting because of his absence from Australia for a little while. How's he come back to the game? Quite well, really, considering he had... I think two years out, um, in his first couple of intra-clubs with us, he was sort of finding his feet a little bit again and how the game moves, but he's adjusted and adapted really well and 
Um, also, he's, he's fitted into our, our back group, our defensive group, pretty quickly. And he adds a little bit of that dash to us, which we're mm. really excited about. And um, I think he's really happy back in Australia. This time, he's come out with his partner um, and they've found a place in Brisbane. They're settled in really well. And I think that's a much easier way for those guys to, to settle into a new country and play footy is if they're not uh, having long-distance relationships. So Con- mm. Connor's been terrific. I even just said to him today on the training track as we walked past each other, I said, how are you enjoying playing AFL footy again? And he said, loving it. So he's um, he, he's really uh, in good good place at the moment. He's playing pretty good footy for us. Good. How are the youngsters, Will Ashcroft and Jasper Fletcher, travelling? And is there a possibility we could see them in round one? Uh, yeah, well, there is. I mean, there's been a little bit of um, media about um, Ash, uh, young Ashy uh, already, uh, Will Ashcroft. Um, and his performances are what you may expect of a, of a number one draft pick. He's he's a really good footballer. You know, he's a, he's a, just a good player, has a good sense about the game, good awareness of what's around him. He's really clean with his hands. Mm. Um, he's a good decision maker. And um, he's, he's played every game with us so far and has performed really well. I mean, I think he even had 24 on the weekend, was our highest possession winner. Um, not that we just value possessions on their own, but he, he has a good knack of finding the ball and using it well. So so he's he's a great asset to us. And for a kid who's 18 years old, he's, he's quite calm in the mind and he's, he's got great composure. Um, and Jasper's had a little setback early in the year with a back injury that he carried uh. from last year. Um, so it took him a little while to get going and um, he had a delayed start. But as I said before, he had his first real strong hit out in our match him today and will play in our uh, reserves team against Southport on Friday. So we're looking forward to, to watching him play. Mark, before you came on, we played a grab from Alistair Clarkson, who's now at North Melbourne, about the lingering issues that go from Hawthorne on that investigation. The other man involved is Chris Fagan at Brisbane. How has Chris coped over the summer as this just drags on for far too long? Uh, well, in terms of the investigation itself, guys, I'm sure you're aware I can't talk about no, it. No, no, we're not we're worried about that. We're more worried about just how Chris Fagan is just no, dealing with the challenge of getting on with coaching while that lingers. Yeah, yeah well, he, he's an incredibly resilient um, person uh, and he's, his ability and his temperament to take all that in and yet stay the same person at the mm. club has been quite amazing, really. And it, it's a great learning for all of us assistants that work under him that want to try and get better is to just to watch how he goes about things day to day knowing that that's sitting in the back of his mind and on his shoulder um he's human so Mm. there are moments i'm where he where he gets frustrated or he gets you know just thinks i wish this wasn't around i wish it would go away but um you don't really see that from him day to day unless you ask him directly um so he's handling it really well um he's strongly focused on football and the club at the moment um, and, and where we sit in terms of our pre-season and our build-up to the to the start of the year. Um, but uh, I guess to answer your question, guys, I've been really bright-eyed and, 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 and gaining as much as I can from the way he conducts himself. It's been a great, great learning and observation for me. I reckon I've got an easy question for you here. Dane Zorko stood down as captain. If you were picking the captain, would it be Harris Andrews, Hugh McCluggage or Lockie Neal? 
You said that was an easy question. Yeah, well, I just know your relationship with Lockie Neal back at the Frio days. I do, and I've got a very good relationship with him still today. Um, but all three of those guys are really good good candidates. Um, I'm not too sure how they're going to separate them, but I think each of them are great stories. Um, and if I can lean towards one of those stories, if it were to be Harris Andrews, mm-hmm. it would be great the sense that he's a local kid from Brisbane, yep. come through the academy system, yep. um, earned his way onto a list and become a really great player for us. And then yeah, to lead the club would be such a, a tremendous story for the club and um, also for Harris. Um, but I think all three of them would do a great job. Mark, when you get retirements or delistings, there are always big shoes to fill at footy clubs. Who's taken Mitch Robinson's boots to be the serial pest in the change rooms? <laughs> I think we've got a guy who's just stepped up on his own, put his hand up in um, uh, Darcy Wilmot. He's uh, he's a high-energy guy like, like Mitch. He's probably not as aggressive at the player and the ball just yet, but he's certainly he's got enough courage, and he's he's just one of those guys that won't shut up on the training track, <laughs> not that we want him to. Um, but I think Darcy's going to fix the shoes. He's, he's a real energetic sort of a buzz type of player, and he's... He's been really good in that in that space for us. Gee, might be the new barometer. Shock, horror. Hey, what about injuries? Uh, <laughs> Dane Zorko, uh, I heard Fakes talking about the fact that he's had no pre-season games and he doesn't need any because he's got good touch. Yeah, well, I guess for Zorks, he's a, he's a 34-year-old now and gets a lot of ball handling at the sessions, even if he's not doing all the session. So his touch is okay and... He's shown last year that he could do that. He could step in uh, off a limited pre-season and, and play pretty well and kick the ball quite well. So um, he's still building towards round one and we're still really optimistic and confident that he'll play. Um, and I guess uh, from the coach down, we back him in to, to be able to get his touch straight away. Mark, you deal with strategy. Is it simple to think that Geelong took the game somewhere last year and now everyone tries to position themselves down the same track or does everyone just get better at what they were doing? Um, well, we all try to get better and in our case, we know what our strengths were last year and where some of our vulnerabilities vulnerabilities, sorry lads, laid yeah. um, trying to add a couple of things to our toolbox in terms of strategy that we may be able to employ on game day mm-hmm. Um those things are going quite well. But Geelong was a bit unique in some of the things they did mm. um, and we're going into detail and boring, not just you blokes, but your listeners. They did create a plus one behind the ball a different way than what most teams are used to and it was very difficult to try and counter that. So obviously a lot of thought goes into those types of things over summer um, and what are the benefits of, of doing those types of things and at different times because the game is... Is quite a, a hard endurance game. At times, those things can help you just slow things down or have a little break along the way, and, and then you can resort back to your normal style. But um, there's been a lot of discussion and, and work on our tactical uh, play and our stra- strategic play this summer, and we feel like we've taken a little step forward. I look forward to seeing it in round one. Yeah, again, just uh, reach aside, Port Adelaide. Uh, you've got a tough first month. Port Adelaide, Melbourne, Western Bulldogs, Collingwood. We do. Absolutely, we do. And I think most teams would say that. There's no easy games anymore in the AFL. And um, But you probably, 
if you're gearing up, you want to have a, a good, tough one to start with. And Port at, at um, Adelaide Oval is, is hardly any tougher game than that. So we backed, uh, backed that game up with Melbourne and then I think Collingwood and the Dogs, as you said. So, yeah, it's a pretty tough month. And um, we're, we're just looking towards trying to put our best game out in the park at Adelaide Oval and try and beat Port, which is not going to be easy. You've been at the club for a few seasons now. How does this pre-season compare? Uh, I reckon most guys would say this if you asked them, uh, Kim Bober. I think this has been our best one that I've mm. seen um, for a number of reasons. Firstly, we're at the new facility. So every session's been there and we've been able to train on a great surface with great uh, conditions um, and, you know, all the recovery and all those sorts of things. But I feel like um, with all the things combined that we've discussed, with the additions to our list, um, some, some strength in areas that we didn't have strengths, I feel like we've had probably our best uh, pre-season um, that we've had, you know, in, in some years, and particularly around our, our build-up of footy. Um, going back about six weeks, when we played our first two by ten-minute scratch, and building it up to three fifteens and three twenties and four twenties, etc. Um, we've really developed some areas of the game that we really needed to, and I feel like we're in pretty good stead at the moment, and really pleased with last week's game against Sydney. Um, to go up there and play on tramway where they train and mm. and keep them, who are a pretty good scoring team, keep them to 54. We're really pleased with that. Um, and so we look forward to Geelong this week, and it's been a really good pre-season. If we get through that game strongly without any injuries, we'll be we'll be uh, really happy with the summer. Just on that, Lockie Neal last week, uh, reports of an ankle, possibly a cork thigh and a dislocated finger. Uh, will he play this week? <laughs> yeah, that was... <laughs> There was a lot made of that, really, but he, he just got a, a one of those nasty corks in the thigh that, that sort of hurt a bit. Um, his finger did pop out and went straight back in, so that was no issue, and he taped that up. Um, and his corks come up okay, so he'll play tomorrow. I think we're talking now. Tomorrow, no, sorry, Thursday night he'll play. Um, and he was a bit sore, but he's fine. We got Go th- on, ask 30, him, ask th- him. Well, no, what, Pre-season we- cup or... Just no, not, no we don't have time. Well, look, really quickly, uh, I want to bring back the pre-season cup. Would you like it or not? Three proper hit-outs. Uh, as in playing proper games for a cup? Yep. yep. Um, well, that's, a, that's a tough question. I think we as coaches like to have the flexibility to play players for certain amounts of time in games in these, in these sorts of games. Um, you could still do where that? Where you can play... <laughs> um, you can still play 26 and name squads of 30 then yeah why not but hey. um, for us it's really about preparing for the main season in round one so our focus is that however shape or form you put it in we've got 30 seconds left before we have to go uh, to the break and then we've got sports day with uh, Jared Healy and Kane Corns uh, Joey Danaher in 15 seconds how's his summer been been really good um Joe had a shoulder surgery in the off-season, um, so we didn't start at the very beginning. He built his way up. Um, but since he's come back into the program, he's been full of confidence in his shoulder. He's marking the ball quite well. Um, and uh, he's good. Hopefully I've answered that in 15 seconds. You have. You've done well, Mark. We hope to speak to you before the game against Port Adelaide, which is March 18. We appreciate your time today. No problems at all. Always good to talk to you guys. Thanks, Cheers. Mark. There is Mark Stone. That was fairly comprehensive, wasn't it? They're yep. in good shape. And we'll be back at noon tomorrow, Kim. Well, that's right. The, the uh, first taste. I reckon we can square the series.
I hope you're right. Maybe not. Just last five <laughs> days, please. Uru. Bye-bye, everyone.